Hello and welcome. Today's Search for Truth brings you talk number 10 in our 12-part series called Getting Real. Thank you for the privilege of your company as we join Bible teacher Brian Johnston. Brian's already looked at Bible study, prayer times and living with integrity at home and with the church. And this time the topic is worshipping in spirit and truth. It's an expression Jesus used to the woman at the well in John's Gospel, chapter 4. Now Brian is going to take us into our Bible to examine more deeply the concept of worship that it portrays. Thanks, John. The death of our Lord Jesus Christ totally reformed the way in which God's gathered people come before God in worship. The cross is explained in both the Bible letter to the Romans and the Hebrews, but these letters presented in two very different contexts. In Romans, we're invited to picture the scene presented as that of an individual before the bar in God's judgment hall. By contrast, the scene that presents itself in Hebrews is that of a worshipping people before the throne in God's heavenly sanctuary. We'll totally miss the point of these letters if we fail to notice that. And another thing, when we come to the Hebrews letter, which is going to be our main focus, we need to identify very clearly those who are being addressed. This is a letter written in corporate terms rather than dealing with the case of an individual, and the current standing of those addressed is comparable with that of the nation of Israel in the past. They comprise God's spiritual house, and this was conditional. Whose house are we if we hold fast? Another distinction worth making is to observe that the letter to the Ephesians relates to the standing of members of the church, which is Christ's body. It explores the heavenlies. Hebrews, on the other hand, focuses on the privileges of disciples worshipping together in the New Testament community of the churches of God. It explores the holies. Hebrews is the book which presents Christ as our high priest. This is the high tableland of Scripture as the Holy Spirit expounds for us the significance of all the detail about which God was so particular in the time of Moses. And within the letter to the Hebrews, chapters 8 through 10 give us the Spirit's typical teaching, disclosing the new way of corporate worship. At the beginning of Hebrews chapter 8, we reach the summit of the preceding discussion. It says, We have such a high priest, a minister of the sanctuary, or a minister of the holies. It's here we discover that Christ's ministry is in the holies. We need to pause and unpack that term. The way of the holies is used in a dual sense. Israel's high priest annually entered into the holies on earth, typifying the holies in heaven. This word is found ten times in this section, once later in Hebrews, but nowhere else. This wonderful section of three chapters is not only marked out by its ten mentions of the holies, but there's something else. There are six occurrences of a specific word for worship in this section, and these are its first mentions in the letter to the Hebrews, with few beyond this section. This sudden repetition comes in this section, which is defined by its repeated mention of the holies. It implies, then, that the purpose of God's people for entering into the holies is for divine worship in the highest sense possible. Biblically, we saw worship is explained as submission and service. 
This further strengthens the case that those being addressed in this Hebrews letter are God's gathered people who submit to the God of Scripture and serve and worship according to his word. In the Old Testament, God gave instructions for the heavenly sanctuary to be copied within the earthly tabernacle. Moses was told, See that you make it according to the pattern which was shown you in the mount. It was submission to God and serving by a pattern that expressed the highest form of worship known to us, a type only ever spoken of as being presented to the Father. At the centre of the nation's worship stood the tabernacle. To this sanctuary, God's people then brought their specified offerings. To the altar in the courtyard that surrounded the special tent known as the tabernacle, This is what the approach to God by his people in worship looked like back then. Bear with me, if you will, for we'll be richly rewarded if we can get into just a little bit more detail, detail which is explicitly there in the letter to the Hebrews. There were two compartments in the copy made by Moses, an outer, sometimes known as the first tabernacle, called the holy place, and an inner, sometimes known as the second tabernacle, and also called the Holy of Holies. And these two sections were separated by a veil, which acted as the dividing line between them inside the overall tent of the tabernacle. Chapter 9 of Hebrews and verse 8 says, The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing. In Hebrews 9, Verses 2 and 6, some Bible versions use the more confusing term of the first tabernacle. But as mentioned, this clearly refers to the outer compartment. If a term is used three times close together, we may assume it always has the same meaning. Let's come back to verse 8 again. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer section of the tabernacle is still standing. This is, first of all, making a very straightforward, historical, factual statement. The Israelites were prevented from seeing their high priest going through the veil that divided the two sections by virtue of the fact that the outer section also had sides consisting of frames with curtains and coverings draped over it. These were obviously not transparent, so people couldn't see inside. To have removed that outer section would literally have exposed the passage of the high priest to everyone who was watching as he made his way annually into the inner section. But there's something more than a straightforward, factual, historical statement here. For the Holy Spirit Treating this as one of the major types of scripture is signifying that the removal of what the first or outer section represents portrays for us the disclosure of our present opportunity for the spiritual worship of God's people taking place in the true holies which is located in heaven, the very one of which you remember this structure built by Moses was a mere copy. Let the Bible text further clarify that what we're saying is true. The significant point being that the outer section of the tabernacle alone signified and symbolised the entire past way of approach, which was all removed when Christ came. It's verse 9 that tells us that the outer section of the tabernacle was a symbol for the time of the Old Testament, 
referred to in some Bible versions as the present time. That's capable of being misunderstood, and we need to be clear it's not meaning the time now present, but rather the time that was then present in the Old Testament. To sum up, the outer tabernacle section symbolised the past way of approach to God by a worshipping people. Jesus came to take away the first so as to set the second before others. He said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. That's what we're told in Hebrews 10 and verse 9. This is equivalent in meaning to the taking away of the first or outer tabernacle section, so that he might set before others or establish the second, with the second being the manner in which God has willed his New Testament people's approach to the holies which are in heaven itself. As long as the first or outer tabernacle blocked the view into the second or inner tabernacle, the way into the copy wasn't disclosed quite literally. And as long as the old order for approach involving animals remained in force, the new order and way into the reality in heaven wasn't disclosed either. So let's now come to the amazing words of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Commentators generally widen the applicability of this statement as applying to all access to God through the sacrifice of Christ. However, this disregards the clues that are to be found in its context. Take the first verse of the chapter, chapter 10. For the law can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. And then on the other side of verse 19, we have the command, let us draw near. That's drawing near in the same way, that is, as a gathered people, and at set times, and in corporate worship. In keeping with the general theme of the letter, the drawing near in the passage under review has this more specific reference. The fact is that in both testaments, God's gathered people were required to gather for worship at stated times in a prescribed way. You'll recall we began by making the point that those addressed in Hebrews are viewed as being in the same circumstances as Old Testament Israel. Back then, it was a case of three times in a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. Find that in Deuteronomy chapter 16. It referred then to when God's people gathered at the set feasts. Compare that with the situation in the New Testament. The Lord has said, this do in remembrance of me. And this ordinance of the breaking of the bread was to be observed when local churches of God gather, on the first day of every week. We find that from Acts 20, for example, verse 7. In both Old and New Testaments, therefore, we find a gathered people at set times for corporate worship. The difference is that in worship that's now in spirit and in truth, the way of the holies is now the new and living way by which God's new covenant people draw near to worship in the sanctuary that's actually in the heavens. When our high priest, through his own blood, entered in once for all into the holies, he initiated the new way of approach for God's people. We're invited to draw near and worship now to that same heavenly sanctuary into which our high priest Jesus entered in resurrection as our forerunner.
Thanks, Brian, for yet another interesting talk. The transcripts of these talks are available in book form with the title Getting Real. So if you'd like a copy or have a question or comment after listening today, just write in by post or email, and I'll be giving you the contact details shortly. The talk you've heard today is also available to download via the internet in audio or text format. To obtain the book, simply ask for Get Real. You can do this by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wooten Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air, that is, by audio or podcast MP3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can browse the list of previous talks, which you'll see has been sorted into categories, and that'll help you to find what you're looking for. Well, we've almost come to the end of today's programme, but there may be time to hear a verse of our hymn again at the finish. But thank you for your company. It's been great to have you with us. And Brian will be getting real again next week with a talk called Dealing with Disillusionment. I hope you'll join us. And until next time then, it's very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So cheerio and may God richly bless you. (laughs) 